your smart device, download that app, connect it to your favorite credit card, and give. Again, I want to make a special appeal for our Toys for Tots drive. I'm giving $100 today and $100 next week. We need to raise an extra $3,000 to be a blessing as far as bikes are concerned as well as toys for persons who may not have a Christmas unless we do this. So I need 28 people out there between this Sunday and next Sunday who will give $100 uh, as far as toys for tots, particularly to help with these bikes. So do me a favor, if you would, if you're getting ready to give right now, Take your offering, place it in your right hand. We want to give God what's right, not what's left. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you for the wonderful opportunity to partner with you when it comes to giving. And Lord, we pray right now that you would take these gifts of ours, bless them in a miraculous way. Stretch them, oh God. For those that are practicing the discipline of giving tithes and offerings, bless them according to your word. For those who aren't working but still give, bless them, O oh God. And then we pray that you will continue to tenderize the hearts and spirits of those who feel like they don't have to do anything. Now, God, as we give, we pray that your word, your witness, and your work will be done through the St. Paul Baptist Church. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you will go ahead and give now and our music ministry is going to come bless us and uh, do me a favor. We're certainly delighted to have uh, our minister of music back, Scott Gibson. Let's give God praise for him. Amen. As he continues to recuperate, uh, he's with us and we're glad to have him. All right. Sing quiet.
Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wherever you are right now, you just need to transform that space into an altar and just give God the praise and the worship that our God is worthy of. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to call your attention as we continue the series of sermons, uh, our response to God's actions. I want to go to Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 17. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through verse 17. you will find these words printed. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I want to preach for the time that is mine. Got faith? got faith that's like that commercial some years ago got milk I want to talk about got faith amen I am mighty afraid I am mighty afraid that some churches of the 21st century is going to be held accountable for some heretical teaching and false preaching. Some of the things that are being preached across the pulpits from various churches and ministries are incredulous, insane, and idiotic. Unfortunately, what is being spoken in some churches is creating a people who have a false sense of God, a lack of of an appreciation for Jesus Christ and a delegitimization of the Holy Ghost. If you tune in to some of the television programs, if you stream the internet, if you listen to the radio, or even if you scroll social media, you will hear things that God doesn't even recognize. You will hear stuff like, if you have faith, you can do whatever you want, when you want, and how you want. You will hear how you can obtain your heart's desire and your soul's expectations if you engage in some magical formula of spiritual abracadabra. We are living in a time when, unfortunately, preachers are preaching what people want to hear rather than proclaiming 
the unsearchable riches of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that the gospel of Jesus Christ has power to stand on its own. Paul warns us how a time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine. The problem with some churches relying on a health and wealth spirituality, a nab it, grab it theology, a name it, claim it religion, with many people looking for God to be their economic stimulus package. The unfortunate reality is that God has been commodified and commercialized as a package to be used rather than as the God to be worshipped. Nevertheless, real faith means trusting God to be God even when we don't understand all the ways of God. There has been this manipulation of what I call false religious prophets who proclaim that Donald Trump will be elected to a second term as president of the United States. These, I call them trumpets, T-R-U-P-H-E-T-S, and that's Trump false prophets, now have egg on their face looking like the prophets of Baal hollering at an idol on Mount Carmel waiting for the fire to fall. And when the false prophecies do not come to pass, when people discover that they have been played by a con artist, they don't take their frustrations out on the person who played them. But rather, they forsake the church and turn their backs on God. I would dare say that the white evangelical conservative church that allow politics to be the foundation of their practice is going to have to pay for people who will leave their churches in droves and turn their backs on God. The reason they feel that God has left them, God has deserted them, that God has them hanging or even play games with their emotions is because of the crazy things that emanated from the pulpit. They don't want to have anything to do with the church, with religion, or with God because of these false prophecies that have been projected. But I've come to understand that when you know what real faith looks like, you will gain clarity about how you're to live in a world that has lost its mind and that is caught up in chaos. And that, my brothers and sisters, is the reason that we got to have faith. Now, what type of faith am I talking about? I'm not talking about a faith telling you to go to the car dealership tomorrow, put your hands on a spanking new car, and say, this is mine. I'm not talking about a faith where you can go to a house on a block, point at it, and say, I claim this house in the name of Jesus. I'm not talking about a faith that is so erroneous as far as understanding 
where you can go and look at somebody's man or somebody's woman that you know ain't yours and proclaim with a straight face, you going to be my husband or you going to be my wife. And you know they are married to somebody else. I'm not even talking about a faith that is telling you to go to the lottery with the hopes of winning the Powerball or the Mega Millions if you call on the name of Jesus. No, I'm talking about a faith with the capacity to change your life in such a significant way until without it, you're part of the living dead. Wandering aimlessly in this world with no sense of purpose, no awareness of direction, and no understanding of your divine destiny. Let me press my claim even further. When you examine the reason why the church exists in the first place and why we call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, it is because Jesus came to create a new order of how we're to relate to God and how we are to deal with each other. If salvation is the mode of how you and I get a relationship with God and it is through Jesus Christ, then you got to understand the how, the what, and the why God has done what God did. In other words, the real meaning of being saved, the real meaning of salvation is more than avoiding the pit fires of hell. It is more than getting a free ticket to heaven. Salvation is more than getting some tingly feeling up and down your spine. Salvation is more than hollering uh, around the church when you hear something that tickles your spirit. It is more than a shout and, and a holler. It, it is more than you attending virtual church or being part of a ministry or coming to Sunday school or attending Bible study. It is more than you helping your neighbor and being kind to people and even praying for your enemies. Interestingly, a sinner can do all that. When you are saved, hear me and hear me well, there is this inauguration into a new life. A new way of thinking, a new understanding of dealing with folks who are like you and who aren't like you. That's because they see something different in you. When you are saved, there is this dramatic shift because God has now exposed you to what Jesus calls abundant life. And when Jesus said that I've come that you might have life, and that you might have life more abundantly. Jesus was trying to inform those who followed him that we do not have to accept an ordinary mundane existence. Now, Jesus, in talking about an abundant life, was not talking about you getting a new car or new clothes or new house, new money, a new honey, a new boo, a new bay, a new man or a new woman. No, Jesus was not talking about a change in political affiliations or a shift 
in the economy or an increase in the stock market or what club or fraternity or sorority to which you belong or even what church you attend. Jesus, when he talks about abundant life, is talking about a life that gives clarity for confusion, a life that gives peace in chaotic moments, a life that brings joy in sorrowful situations, a life that gives hopes for desperate conditions, a life that brings compassion for dire situations, a life that allows for you to love in hateful predicaments. Too many have placed faith in people, places, and things trying to get our life together only to discover those things could not keep us, empower us, better us, save us, rescue us, free us, change us, or even help us. We've been disappointed, disregarded, and dismissed by the things of the world to the point where life has become meaningless and even hopeless. But when I have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, then I get a better perspective of what God wants to do for me, through me, and with me in this life. It is God's desire for you and I to have a life in the midst of all the evil this world brings to our reality. So therefore, salvation is really a clash of values between the systems of this world and the kingdom of God that is of cosmic proportions. It is a battle between compassion and consumption. It is a battle between the love of God and neighbor and the love of money. It is a battle between an allegiance to Jesus Christ and loyalty to Trump. Therefore, when we are saved, God, through Jesus Christ, is preparing us for this struggle. When you are genuinely saved, it does not mean that evil automatically disappears. But our relationship to dealing with evil undergoes a shift. So no longer are we held bondage to evil's consuming logic. But you and I are freed to love God authentically and love our fellow human beings. Therefore, salvation has to be more than just us getting saved from our sins. Salvation has to have impact on our surroundings when we show up. Because when you are saved, wherever you show up, there's a change in how people and systems behave in your presence. Consequently, salvation is about how God fixes and redeems creation. Salvation restores us to our rightful place in service to the God who is responsible for our living, movement, and being. But you're going to have to move in this power by your faith in God through Jesus Christ. I said all that to get here because this is what Paul is trying to get us to understand as he addresses what faith is really all about and how you and I can get faith. When you look at the text I've read, one senses the relevance 
of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. And God knows in times like this, we need good news. In times where this pandemic is taking over 2,000 lives a day, we need good news. In times where violence continues to rise in our neighborhoods, we need good news. In times where we see the insanity being played out from Mr. Donald Trump as far as him trying to claim an election that he has lost fair and square, it, it, we need the gospel. When we see how we treat each other with a sense of indifference and a lack of love, we need the gospel. Paul is trying to get us to understand that faith has to come by hearing this gospel. Notice how Paul unfolds it. He says that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone must have an opportunity to hear. Because you can't believe something or someone that you have not heard. But notice the flow. You can't call on someone that you have not believed. And you cannot believe in someone that you have not heard about. And you cannot hear unless there's a preacher. And the preacher cannot preach unless he or she is sent. And faith, watch this, comes by hearing the word. And the word is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel. Not some self-help book. The gospel. Not something from Oprah's book club. The gospel. Not the latest philosophy. The gospel. Not the hottest new age spirituality. The gospel. Not something you can get from the internet that you think is going to make you rich or make you lose weight or get a man or please a woman. No. I'm talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news to a hurting world that needs redemption, reconciliation, and restoration. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news to a broken humanity in need of liberation, transformation, and sanctification. So faith is directly connected to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Faith is directly connected to the good news about Jesus Christ. So how can we operate with authentic faith that enables us to move in the power of our salvation? I want to suggest a few things and then I'll be done. First, you must understand the purpose of the gospel. Let me say that again. You must understand the purpose of the gospel. We see this in verses 14 and 15. The purpose of the gospel is to reveal not only the sovereignty of God, but to remind us that we need a savior. You and I are broken because of sin. And because we are broken because of sin, we need a savior. So since the gospel is good news, then this good news 
must be proclaimed to those in a bad situation how there is hope in our desperate conditions, power in the midst of our weakness, liberation where we are bound, and to have courage in the midst of fear. That's why Jesus said the profound words in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Interestingly, the reason the gospel is to be shared is to let the hearers know how God has done a paradigm shift in their reality. This transition is made through the incarnation of the person of Jesus Christ, who is the embodiment of God in the flesh. All I'm letting y'all know is that Jesus came in the form of God in flesh. It is to let the people of God know that God is not pleased when his people are bound, sick, diseased, broken, sad, impoverished, or dissatisfied. Therefore, God is looking for us to make a move from stagnation to development, move from mediocrity to excellence, move from blindness to sight, Move from hatred to love. Move from grudges to forgiveness. Move from estrangement to reconciliation. Move from the dark to the light. Move from death to life. This does not happen if there's no clear preaching, if there's no clear sharing, no clear telling, no clear communication of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The exciting thing about the gospel is how all believers, not just the preacher, but how all believers are expected to share this good news. We are expected to be the salt of the earth. We are expected to be the light of the world. And that is predicated upon the purpose of the gospel. When you and I get saved, it is not something we should keep to ourselves, but we need to go and let somebody else know that if God can do it for me, then God certainly can do it for you. Purpose of the gospel. But then we see something else that we must use the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel. This is in verses 16 through 17, part A or the A clause of verse 17. Paul says so succinctly, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Paul is reminding us that the good news God has given us has the power to make a difference in our lives. When we see this word power in the New Testament, Paul used the word dunamis, D-U-N-A-M-I-S which is where we get the modern word dynamite. The word dunamis is forceful, dynamic ability to bring to pass. So if the gospel is the word of God, which brings good news into a world steep in sin, 
that brings good news to a humanity spoiled by evil, that brings good news to a creation marred by the demonic, then there has to be power beyond just saying some words. That there is power beyond just recognizing the goodness of the sovereign God. Here it is. If faith, which is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen comes by hearing the word of God, then there is something about this thing called preaching that we have to take seriously. This is why the proclamation of the gospel is so important. Paul tells us that faith comes by hearing the word of God, and we're reminded that the just shall live by faith. Paul comes to help us to recognize that when we have faith, it is because we heard the gospel loud and clear. Faith is ascertained by hearing the message of God. Now, when Paul talks about the word of God, he does not use the term logos, which is about what Jesus is called in the gospel of John. Logos, L-O-G-O-S, is a high term in the Greek. It refers to mind or reason. However, in this text, Paul uses the word rhema, R-H-E-M-A, which is spoken word. And there's a difference between the logos of God and the rhema of God. I'm trying to do a little teaching here, but I'm going somewhere with this. Paul says that faith will come by the spoken word of God. The power comes when rhema, the spoken word of God, is connected to logos, the incarnated word of God in the person of Jesus Christ. In other words, when what is spoken about, God hooks it up to the who of God. This is when the power of the gospel will be realized, which is why it can't be accomplished by just singing because praise is emotive, preaching is cognitive. The power of the gospel is not about gospel singing, it's about gospel preaching, and this is because faith comes from hearing the message of Jesus Christ. While faith is our response to the gospel, it is true that the gospel itself awakens and makes our faith possible. God is at work even in our response to his gracious offer of forgiveness. The message is heard through the word about Jesus. And that is Christ himself who speaks when the gospel is indeed preached. That is because there's no authentic preaching Unless the Holy Ghost is present. I am nothing but a messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I as pastor am nothing more than an instrument used by God to offer reconciliation with God 
kinship with the Son, access to the Holy Ghost. I am nothing but a messenger to remind you we got to love where there is hate. You got to have hope where there's despair. You got forgiveness for your sins. We're to fight for justice for the oppressed. And we're to give power to the weak. It is God's voice confronting the sinner and offering reconciliation. The existential reality is what constitutes the gospel as being the power of God unto salvation. And where God is present, there is power. Power to live right. Power to talk right. Power to walk right. Power to give right. Power to work right. Power to love right. Power to praise right. Power to worship right. Watch this. The word of God has so much power that when you start quoting it, some emphatically say, I don't want to hear that. That's because they're not in the frame of mind to handle the power that comes uh, from the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when you understand what is at your disposal, when you understand what you got in your lips, when you understand what you got on your tongue, you understand that the word is a lamp unto my feet, that the word is a light unto my pathway. That's why Jesus says, he or she who has ears, let him or her hear what the spirit have to say. I've held y'all too long. Let me drop this other thing on you. And for me, this is the blessing point of the whole sermon. You must never underestimate the person of the gospel. You have the purpose of the gospel. You have the power of the gospel. But you got to know the gospel is about a person. And never, ever underestimate the person of the gospel. This is in the B clause of verse 17 where he says uh, that hearing the word of God, the word about Christ, the word of Jesus. Ultimately, this letter to the Roman Christians, this book known as the Bible, this gospel that I preach is about nobody but Jesus Christ. Ultimately, it is not about how to get rich. It is not about how to get a spouse. It's not about how to treat your kids. It's not about how to improve yourself. It's about Jesus. The problem, which is so prevalent in a lot of churches, is the failure to appreciate what having Jesus in your life can do to you and do for you. Ultimately, this is about the ultimate difference maker that we name Jesus. However, I've come to let y'all know that there are a whole lot of folks who underestimate him. There's some strange philosophical thinking that is taking place which claims that we don't have to have Jesus. That we can get to God on our own. I'm reminded by the writer of Isaiah that our righteousness are like filthy rags in his sight. That even the best of us can't really approach God the way that God deserves to be approached because we got so much sin in our lives. This new age philosophy is proclaiming that Jesus is irrelevant. That Jesus 
is non-essential when it comes to having a relationship with the sovereign God. He, Jesus is underestimated because we failed to connect what God is doing in Christ while God was trying to reconcile humanity back to God. And when you underestimate Christ, you don't walk in the faith that can make a difference in your life. This, my brothers, this, my sister, is the central theme of the gospel. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. I don't mean to sound evangelical. I don't mean to just focus on individual salvation. I don't mean to just lift up personal piety. But if you want to have faith that can change your life, if you want to have faith that will make a difference in your life, you got to connect with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's a demonstration of the love that God showed toward us. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Remember, while we were still sinners, God activated God's divine scheme to send Jesus to bring us back to God. Jesus is the Christ of God. Jesus is the anointed Messiah. That's why we celebrate Advent this time of the year. That's why we lift up Advent this time of the year. Because we want to celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ into the world to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. The reason that I'm so focused on Jesus right now is because when you think about the biblical writers, they were focused on Jesus. Jesus is the one the prophets wrote about. Jesus is the one that Moses talked about. Jesus is the one David sang about. Jesus is the one Isaiah shouted about. Jesus is the one Jeremiah cried about. Jesus is the one Daniel dreamt about. But the Jews underestimated him. He'll let you know, don't let smooth taste fool you because you will underestimate our Christ. However, when Jesus showed up, the reason he was underestimated is because he didn't look like what the Jews were looking for. They were looking for their Messiah to come from a place of royalty. They, they were looking for their Messiah to come from the throne room. They were looking for their Messiah to come and overturn the Roman government. They were looking for their Messiah to come and reestablish the Davidic kingdom. But Jesus did not look like what they were looking for. Uh, you got to read uh, the writings of Isaiah. Isaiah basically said he wasn't very good looking. Uh, he was a product of the ghetto. He came from the marginalized side of town. He came from the other side of the tracks. Uh, uh, there are those who say he had uh, no formal training. He, he was from uh, the underclass and the oppressed. He was a single brother. He hung around sinners, tax collectors, and prostitutes. 
the religious conservative right mocked him. Uh, the liberal progressive left derided him. Some said that Jesus was a product of the devil. They did not even know who he was. Uh, they underestimated him. Some only sought him out because he was a healer. But they did not want relationship with him. And those with whom he had a relationship, they did not fully appreciate him. Let me go into deep waters and then we'll come out and dry ourselves off. When you and I underestimate the Christ of the gospel, when we focus only on his miracles and not on his personhood, he is underestimated when we fail to address the horrors of his public crucifixion. He is underestimated when we don't shout for joy about his resurrection. This is the faith that saves us. This is the faith that changes our lives. Why? Because the cross does not have the last word. His crucifixion is not what makes him unique. Why? Because there were thousands of other men who died on a cross back during that time. What makes Jesus special was not the whippings he took on that Thursday night. Hundreds of men had gone through the same thing. But what makes Jesus different, what makes Jesus special is his promise of forgiveness, his promise of love, his promise of salvation that is connected directly to his resurrection. Uh, you, you, you got to understand that the resurrected Jesus continues uh, to bear the marks of his crucifixion. Those who killed Jesus underestimated him because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. The risen Savior still has the marks of his struggle would teaches us that to be born again is to be tied to his ministry. The redemptive importance of his resurrection still sounds good in a world filled with so much despair. It's the cross that teaches us how following Jesus will not be a walk in the park. It's the cross of Jesus that teaches us uh, that following Jesus has uh, a high cost. And, and I'm here to let you know that this is the shout for me. Jesus shows us how God uh, is able to bring you back to life. But when God brings you back from the dead, you may still uh, have scars uh, of your struggle. But the scars of your struggle is not to bind you, but to remind you how you can function with your scars. Jesus shows us how you and I can be even more powerful, yeah, than our scars. Because the only thing man made in the heavens are the nail prints in Jesus' hand and the cut 
in his side. In other words, the scars are signs of being underestimated. This is because what caused the scars was supposed to kill Jesus. But every time you look at his scars, it serves as a reminder of what Jesus overcame. Let me, if I could, make it plain to you. When you look at all the hell you've been through and you're still alive right now, you need to give God praise because what was supposed to kill you, God used it to strengthen you. The scars that were supposed to take you out, God used it to fuel your purpose. I feel like preaching right now. Yeah, they underestimated Jesus. And guess what? People will underestimate you. When they whipped him on a Thursday night, they underestimated him. When they stabbed him in his side, they underestimated him. When they hung him on a cross, they underestimated him. When they strung him up, they underestimated him. When they placed him in a borrowed tomb, they underestimated him. When they rolled the stone to seal the grave, they underestimated him. But when you know who Jesus is, uh, his faith to give you strength uh, to press on anyhow. Uh, I don't know who I'm talking to, uh, but I know this faith I'm preaching uh, will give you strength, uh, but it has to be connected uh, to the one who is underestimated. Uh, this is why, uh, after all is said and done, uh, this is why, uh, after all the hell I go through, uh, this is why, uh, after all my theological training, this is why, uh, after all my philosophical reasoning, uh, I have to preach Jesus, uh, him crucified. Uh, I have to preach Jesus, uh, him resurrected. Uh, I have to preach Jesus, uh, him ascended. Uh, I have to preach Jesus, uh, he's coming back. Uh, Y'all got to excuse me, uh, I done got happy. Uh, there's a saying uh, among the drug dealers uh, on some TV shows uh, that I have watched uh, where the phrase is, uh, don't get high uh, off your own supply. Uh, I've never smoked weed. Uh, I've never done crack. Uh, I've never sniffed cocaine. Uh, I've never taken meth. Uh, but by God, uh, I done got happy uh, off my own preaching supply. Uh, why? Because of Jesus, can I close this thing the way that I feel it? Jesus, ain't no sweeter name beside the name of Jesus that I call upon right now. Can I preach it the way that I feel it? Jesus, my wounded healer. Jesus, the great I am. Jesus, the crucified God, Jesus, the resurrection and the life, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus, the grave slayer, Jesus, the sin wrecker, Jesus, the death killer, Jesus, the rose of Sharon, Jesus, the lily of the valley, Jesus, the bright and morning star, Jesus, 
middle of the wheel. Jesus, Joe's horse, pouring in the valley. Can I preach this thing the way that I feel it? Let's go higher. Jesus, Adam's redeemer. Jesus, Eve's consolation. Jesus, Noah's ark. Jesus, Abraham's ram. Jesus, Jacob's ladder. Jesus, Moses' bush. Jesus, Joshua's sword. Jesus, Rahab's price. Jesus, Job's redeemer. Jesus, Samuel's insight. Jesus, Samson's power. Jesus, Deborah's strength. Jesus, David's shepherd. Jesus, Solomon's wisdom. Is there anybody watching me that know there's power in the name of Jesus? There is healing in the name of Jesus. There's deliverance in the name of Jesus. There is faith in the name of Jesus. There is hope in the name of Jesus. There's a change in the name of Jesus. There is joy in the name of Jesus. There is peace in the name of Jesus. There is mercy in the name of Jesus. There is grace in the name of Jesus. So I'm going to preach Jesus. I'm going to teach Jesus. I'm going to live Jesus. I'm going to love Jesus. I'm going to serve Jesus. Is there anybody out there that loves my Jesus? Oh, good God Almighty. I said, oh, oh, oh. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, 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 how I love Jesus. Cause he first. There's something to be said about this gospel. Something about this gospel that still saves to the utmost. Because guess what? When when you when you preach the gospel, it's a man, one boy, a girl accepts Christ as Lord and Savior. It helps you be a better person. It helps you be a better husband, better wife, a better child, a better parent. It helps you to be a better, a better employer, a better employee. It helps you to be a better person. It, it helps you to appreciate what you have. It, it. It helps you to understand that money doesn't have you and it doesn't make you. 
it, it, it helps you it helps you to understand that that you can do all things that has been assigned your hands through him who gives you strength it, it helps you to understand you ain't you ain't got to live this life with your head hung down uh, that, that he makes a difference in your life I want to offer any person that's watching this broadcast, any person that hears this voice, any person that heard this gospel, if you're out there right now and you're not sure about if you're saved or not, that's, listen, look, that's one thing you need to be sure about. That's one thing you need to know that you know that you know. And you can know that. How? By faith. By faith. So I offer to you right now a wonderful opportunity to be connected to the God of the universe, the Christ of creation. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. That's the word of God being preached. The word of God being proclaimed. Um, if you're listening to me right now and you want a relationship with God through Christ, you can have that. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Romans 10 says, you shall be saved. Is it really that easy? Yeah, because you're not saved by what you do. You're saved because of your trust, your complete trust in Christ. And then his righteousness becomes your righteousness. I want to lead you in a prayer of new life, a prayer of brand new start. A prayer of a new connection. A prayer of a life transforming moment. And if this prayer is applicable to you, I want to let you know what your next steps can be. So if you don't mind, if you would, just repeat this prayer after me. God, I need Jesus. I'm a sinner in need of your grace. I'm a sinner in need of your forgiveness. I've messed up. I've, I haven't done what I should do, and I need your forgiveness. I want to be saved. I want Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of my life. So God, send your Holy Spirit into me so I can become the person you want me to be. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 
Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, you meant that prayer, you're sincere about that prayer. Salvation is yours. Is it really that easy? Yeah. It, it really is. It really is. And, and if you prayed that prayer, you want to know what next steps are, guess what? I want you to do me a favor. If you're watching us on one of our platforms, if, if you just prayed that prayer and you want to know what your next steps are, just type in salvation. One of our digital ministers will reach out to you, let you know what next steps are. Or if you are listening to us on the phone, Give the church call, church office a call at 704-334-5309. Leave a number where we can reach you. And by 5 o'clock tomorrow evening, someone would have made an initial contact point to you. If you're watching, you saying, listen, Pastor, I'm already saved. I want a church home. I want to connect with the church. Guess what? We are taking people in virtually. We're not in the sanctuary physically, but the church still goes on. We're still doing work. We're still doing ministry. We're still receiving people as part of our fold. And so if you want to connect with St. Paul, if you're watching us on one of our various platforms, just type in connect. One of our digital ministers will reach out to you and let you know what next steps are. Or you can call the church at 704-334-5309. And leave your number and somebody will contact you by 5 o'clock tomorrow evening to let you know what your next steps are. We would love for you to be part of our fold because we come to understand that in these times, the church is not a building. It's a community. We would love for you to be part of our community, part of our fold uh, as we try to make a difference in the world for our God. Listen, we're getting ready to celebrate and share the last communion of 2020. So I want you to do me a favor. Uh, I, I want you to get your elements, uh, a cracker or bread and grape juice or red wine. Get your elements as we prepare to celebrate this communion. So I'm gonna give you a minute to pull those together as the chair of our deacon, Sister Dot Barnes, will come and we make sure that everybody in the church has their elements as well. And we will serve one another. So get your elements, amen. Y'all all good? Everybody got theirs? They all served. All right. How'd you get missed? <laughs> oh, she went out. Oh, that's how you got missed. You're going to be like the, the five foolish maids get missed when Jesus comes back. <laughs> Amen. Everybody in the sound room good? You all got your elements? Okay.
everybody that is watching us live stream or on Zoom or YouTube or Vimeo, you all got your elements? I see you nodding, I see you nodding, I see you nodding. All right, all right. Let us bow our heads as we consecrate these elements. God, we come and we thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, who did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And as we come and we get ready to partake of the last communion for 2020, we pray right now, O oh God, that you will forgive us of our sins, the sins that we commit in thought, word, and deed, the sins we commit through omission and commission. We've sinned, oh God, when we did some things we should not have done. We've sinned when we didn't do what you wanted us to do. Lord, we pray that you will help us to be better. Now, God, as we get ready to partake of these elements, make us ever mindful of the sacrifice you made through your son, Jesus Christ, which is why we should never be ashamed to share this good news. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My brothers and sisters, as we get ready to partake of this meal, on the night that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was betrayed, that Thursday night nearly 2,000 years ago, he took a loaf of bread, he lifted it, he blessed it, and he broke it. And told his disciples, take, eat. This is my body that should be given for thee. Let us eat. Likewise, he took a common cup. And after he gave thanks, he passed it to his disciples. And he said, drink all of it, for this is the blood of the new covenant that was going to be shed for the remissions of sin. Let us drink. Bible says afterwards they sang to him and they went out into the Mount of Olives. And as we prepare to give our benediction on our last communion, we shall do likewise. Now may the grace of God and the sweet, wonderful communion of the Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide and keep each and every one of you until we come together again in work, witness, or worship. May the grace of God be yours and now unto him who is able to keep all of us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his joy with all his seed and joy. It's only why I ask God to be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. And the people of God said, Amen. 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 Listen, God bless you all. 
I love you all. I miss you all. Wear your mask. Practice physical distancing. Wash and sanitize your hands. Please take care of yourself. We're one day closer to coming back in, but until then, we need you to take those protective and proactive measures. God bless you all to our Zoom family. Thank you all for joining us. See you all either in Bible study or on our prayer call this week.